I'm not sure where I heard this, but every time we celebrate holy baptism at St. John's, I think of it. Someone somewhere has said something like this at some point. And I'm gonna start attributing it to myself because I cannot find this quote anywhere. Quote, baptism is a counterweight to our egocentric intuition. For in baptism, adults are held and bathed and anointed the way an infant is, and an infant is treated with the gravity of adulthood, called by the name that will one day grace their resumes." End quote. At the next service, 10 people will be baptized in the strong name of the Trinity, will have their forehead signed with a generous portion of chrism oil in the shape of a cross, and will be outwardly marked by an inward reality that they are forever and indissolubly linked to Christ. God will do for these 10 people what God has done for every Christian throughout history and presumably for every person here present. Make outward and visible the lavish, extravagant love that, that is inward and invisible. It is appropriate that these 10 people are baptized on this, the second Sunday of Easter, the church's 50-day celebration of our Lord's resurrection. We fast for 40 days. We feast for 50. Fasting and feasting, death and resurrection, is a dramatic expression of our participation in the crucified and risen life of Christ. It reflects the rhythm of difficulty and grace we sense within and around us on a regular basis. It is the grace of five St. John's youth who are advocating for public safety in the immediate wake of gun violence in their high school. In the face of death, they are practicing resurrection. It is the grace of the hospice patient in the twilight of her earthly pilgrimage who insists on being rolled into the sun in the dead of winter just to experience apricity one final time before taking flight for another shore. It is the grace of the crucified and risen Christ who defies the apostles' locked doors and locked hearts and appears pronouncing, peace be with you, a verbal benediction that doesn't scatter their terror, but offers them the faith, the imagination, to face that self-same terror with relentless hope. It is the grace of the person unemployed for months on end who wakes up and takes that networking meeting, refines her CV, and applies to another batch of jobs amid a volatile employment market. Our celebration of Easter in the fog and dew of the first Easter morning, and doesn't it begins with the fog and dew of the East, first Easter morning and does not end with the pastel-themed brunch at the Brown Palace. 
The church's celebration of Easter continues with the curves and turns of life's profound uncertainty tinged with beauty. Leading this charge toward a more nuanced, less triumphant, subtler Easter is St. Thomas, the patron saint of those who, like Whitney Houston in her 2002 ABC interview with Diane Sawyer, says, show me the receipts. You've shown the other apostles the scars in your hands, feet, and side. Now show me. I sympathize with this skeptical saint because he, like the other apostles, had survived the trauma of seeing their teacher, brother, and friend brutally executed with the full force of the Roman Empire. Mocked, spat upon, discredited, humiliated. There is no way this could be Jesus if I don't see proof of his crucifixion. His body must be cold and blue, lying in repose on a slab of stone. And if you're telling me that I, that, that either didn't happen or was a cruel charade, I have a few words for you. The crucified and risen one, Jesus, he accommodates Thomas and says, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Jesus seems to say, yes, this is my body, the body that prayed through tears in Gethsemane, shared fish and bread with you and thousands others, the body that reunited grief-stricken sisters with their brother, the body that hung on the cross, the lifeless body carried to a borrowed tomb. My Baptist ancestors, Love that phrase, borrowed tomb. The risen body that is a guarantee of what God not only has done for me, but a foretaste of what God will do for you and the whole creation. Just because I'm risen, the crucified and risen Christ seems to say to us, doesn't mean the suffering I experienced in this body has been erased. In fact, my suffering, your suffering, matters so much to God that the scars remain. Charles Wesley, the great Anglican poet and priest, I always say that to Methodists, which is not the best thing to say to them. <laughs> I don't recommend you say that at lunch today to your Methodist cousin. But Charles Wesley, who did die an Anglican priest and poet, refers to Jesus' post-resurrection scars in this way, in one familiar hymn. Joseph knows what I'm going to say. The dear tokens of his passion still his dazzling body bears. Cause of endless exultation to his ransomed worshipers. With what rapture? With what rapture? With what rapture gaze we on these glorious scars? And glorious those scars are. And how glorious your scars are and mine. 
whatever you or the 10 baptism candidates have or will face in terms of hardship and suffering. The crucified and risen body of Jesus is an illustration, a sacrament, if you will, pointing to a God who respects our experiences. God respects our experiences, our unique embodiment too much to throw God's memory of our suffering into the cosmic dustbin. The crucified and risen Jesus stands behind our locked doors, breathing peace into us, inviting us into lives of love and meaning rooted in the good news that yes, yes, resurrection belongs to us too. And it's too profound to contain in one day. We need 50. Amen.